they played us because they didn't care. You know, at the end of the day, they didn't care. And everybody wanted to point the finger at the other person without anybody just saying, you know what, we messed up. You know, we messed up and we need to make it right. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Tainted Tap Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Catronell Davis, sociologist and author of the book, Tainted Tap, Flint's Journey from Crisis to Recovery. In today's episode, you'll hear a conversation I had with Flint resident, Ali Cleves, who is a coach and outreach coordinator in the community. Ali spoke about his passion for helping Flint's youth find their way and address many of the resource deficits that undermine their efforts to achieve upward mobility. He also spoke about the crisis, how it impacted the city, what is required to make the city whole, and much more. I'm still in the mindset of someone needs to pay. You know, we still need justice. And I'm not talking about dollars and cents justice, um, although we definitely deserve and uh, warrant that. But those that are that were responsible, that tried to hide it, they need to pay. And there needs to be uh, not just criminal charges brought up people, but they need to be convicted. They need to serve some time. Enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? On this episode of the Tainted Tap podcast, I've got Ali Cleves in the house. Welcome, Mr. Cleves. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate being uh, and I'm honored to be a part of this uh, project, be a part of your podcast. And so I really wanted to talk to you about what was going on in Flint, what was going on in Flint, right? What is happening in Flint and what Flint needs to do to move forward, particularly when it comes to young kids and their journey. Right. I know that, you know, for several years you've been involved with uh, Mm -hmm. youth development and and all that good stuff. Could you talk to me about um, how you came to do what you do? in the community and in in, in particular speak about the passion and path that led you there. Wow. You know, born and raised in Flint, I have, uh, you know, I was blessed to have parents that were heavily involved with young people as I was a young person, which uh, my father, my mother worked in General Motors, but she was uh, one of the pillars in the Flint community for so many years. Um, before she passed away. And my dad, he was also one of those pillars, mm-hmm. always working with young people, work, you know, with the Flint school system, different programs that geared toward empowering uh, young people. And so it was one of those things, um, you know, I kind of felt like I was destined to do this, to work with young people. I've been working with young people since I was a young person. And so, um, I'm 20 years in the game of uh, over 20 years in the game of, um, you know, helping young people, mentoring, coaching, trying to play uh, a major role in their development and uh, just helping out uh, and giving back, giving back to the community and hoping that they can feed in or feed off of the energy that I can bring that's going to assist them in uh, career success. Um, I know that we all come to whatever task. Uh, a particular way, right? And our method of of doing whatever is shaped by who we are. So 
you have a particular way of engaging, you know, folk. What is that way? And, and how did, you know, how did you get to that method of uh, helping um, young folk? A lot of growth. I've, uh, you know, I've, you know, had some life experiences, you know, here in Flint, experiencing a lot of things, uh, good and bad, um, going through, you know, what we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, the Flint water crisis. Uh, growing up here in Flint, I've uh, I've always, my mom always told me, you're going to be a teacher one day. So I've worked um, in many different programs. I've been a uh, community organizer, um, which, which part of my job duties was to fa- be the adult facilitator for a neighborhood youth group. I've worked uh, in the Flint schools. Um, I've coached sports. Um, not only in the Flint schools, but with AAU travel teams, youth football. And I just always wanted to see our kids in Flint win. You know, I wanted to see them win. I want to see that. I still want to see them win. And um, like I've been, I've worked a number of different, um, I've had a number of different opportunities um, where I've been able to be really hands on. Uh, with young people to guide them to um, to success. I don't want our young people to fall into the pity party. Like, oh, you know, we're from Flint. Um, it's not a lot going on. Uh, we don't, you know, um, I'm from Flint. It's a lot going on if you want it to be. You know, you can find stuff. You know, it's always educational opportunities, um, employment opportunities. And so I've been blessed to have worked with young people as long as I have. And um, I believe, you know, personally, I just believe that they do more for me than I do for them, you know, because it um, being able to see young people grow and develop it, you know, it uplifts me. You know, I always tell the young people that I work with, I get a check every two weeks. I get I get a check for my job, but I get paid when I see you guys, the light click on for you guys. That's when I get paid. And so, um, you know, I've just been blessed. I've been blessed to be in that uh, situation. Oh, my goodness. I have the exact same experience. When I was in graduate school, I used to work with this this program, College Summit, that helps kids get into Mm -hmm. uh, college. They basically take juniors and seniors um, for a weekend help them uh, pull together their college essay. They come together or they develop some sort of portfolio so that they can be clear about what they're going to do in that year that they're trying to apply for college. You know, having a list of colleges that's reach and safety, and then also specifying if they need any kind of prep um, for this. It just basically helping them be prepared for that next step some of that preparation they don't necessarily see in their home schools. So all that said, um, that whole weekend is a lot. And because the, the purpose of being a writing coach, which is what I was with that program, is to sort of help them birth their their story or give shed light on their story or their path through that essay in a unique way, right? But you can't tell that story for them. And so the the, uh, the whole plan of that is to prompt them with questions upon questions upon questions, um, help them rewrite, rewrite, rewrite. And this is all you just kind of got coaching, not doing it for them. Mm-hmm. 
So at the end of the, the weekend, right. you're just dirt tired because you got like seven kids that you were assigned. And in addition to that, I was the writing coach coordinator. So I, I coordinated the other writing coaches. All that said, <laughs> when I got a hug, when yes. I got a hug from those babies, mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. iota of like stress, um, fatigue, right. it goes away. It's gone. It goes away. Mm-hmm. Was gone. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, I get uh, blessed with, you know, with social media now. You know, my uh, former students, they always find me. And as I get, you know, I, I told uh, one of the young ladies, she sent me this long, beautiful message about, um, you know, just not giving up on the young people. And and I told her, I said, you're going to have my eyes sweating. <laughs> <laughs> Like you gonna have my eyes sweating. It, it like it. It almost, um, you know, it was bringing me to tears just to know that I've impacted someone in such a positive way. You know, which I never thought. You know, when I was going through my journey, I I never thought that I would have an impact on anybody like that. Um, I've worked manufacturing. Um, I've worked maintenance jobs, but I always knew I wanted to work with young people. And I was just waiting for the opportunity that I've, you know, eventually was blessed with to where I can make a career out of it. And so, um, you know, I always tell the people that I work with, um, y'all stuck with me. You know, the students, uh, my former students, y'all stuck with me. I'm, they call me Uncle Cleves. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it's just a blessing. I'm, I look forward. I haven't had a bad day. I've, my current job, I've been working there almost 10 years. And I haven't had a bad day to where my young people get on my nerves. I haven't had that situation <laughs> where, you know, I'm sitting in the car for 45 minutes, you know, um, praying that, you know, before I go in the job because it's stressful. I, I definitely uh, have been blessed to work with young people. And like I yeah. said, they do yeah. more for me than I do for them. Okay. It's 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 a it's a whole situation. You know, those of us who care about young people, we know that their environments matter. You know, if and if mm-hmm. we want to shape whether or not they feel whipped by a situation or whether or not they feel opportunity mm-hmm. exists, we have to shape we have to be present, but we also have to care about what's happening in their environment and, and we have to care about the conditions that they see because those conditions shape whether or not they're going to be able to make it to the next thing that they're planning to do. Right. And so Absolutely. I'm, I'm wondering Absolutely. when, you know, cause you care so much about, and, and I'm with you folks in Flint, not feeling as though it's a dead end mm-hmm. feeling like, you know, being from Flint is, is a bad rapper. You get a bad rap for something like that. You care about those things. I care about those things too. When I took that that care to college, right? It's it's been about, um, like I said, the conditions that people see. Because in Flint, right. if you recall, I don't know if you recall this, even though we saw interesting conditions, particularly during the the crack epidemic, we were told you you can do it, you can do it if you put your mind to it in the Flint community mm-hmm. school, and this was yeah. a mantra. Yeah. That um, I still remember, yeah. uh, but I I also remember that you know people told us that we could do it, but they were also busy trying to make sure that there were uh, 
paths available and opportunities that existed Absolutely. that helped us get to what where we're trying to uh, go and, and do the things that we wanted to do. And so I'm wondering before this crisis began, you know, and, you know, this is what we're talking about ultimately, but I, I do wonder how conditions look for Flint's kids prior to the crisis. What was going on in Flint before this whole water source switch and, and concerns about water quality emerged? Flint was, um, you know, we were struggling. We were struggling. You know, we've been struggling since General Motors started departing from uh, the Flint area. You know, we've uh, took a hit on our tax base, which, you know, directly affects uh, education from, you know, when I was in high school, uh, we had four high schools in the city of Flint. And now we only have one, you know, and it was and you could see the numbers declining. Um, there were um, we've lost a lot of the funding um, that we used to have that uh, funded program, you know, programs that funded opportunities for us um, where like Flint, Michigan and the Flint Community Schools, we were the pioneers of community education, right? To where we had like going, the schools were open 10, 11 o'clock at night. They had night school in all of the schools. They had opportunities right. for us to go and be in the gym or just with the summer, uh, summer day camps and, um, you know, athletic opportunities and our young people, they are not able to benefit from those that we did, from those programs like we did. And so um, it's a it's a struggle um, where we have to, you know, work a little harder to find opportunities for young people. Um, everything costs now, you know. Um, uh, most of the things uh, that the young people want to do now where we had, we were afforded those opportunities with little to no costs, you know, on our families. There, uh, a lot of these programs and that are available now, they're uh, costly to the families, um, and and we've been struggling. Mm. Our economy has, has been, um, you know, we've taken a hit um, since the General Motors um, closing plants, and you know, we were, I think, you know, we were in school. And growing up, you know, kind of maneuvering, our families were maneuvering through that. But like now it's, you know, everything was going down. And then you have emergence of charter education, charter schools, which um, has directly led to the decline of regular public education. And so we have more charter schools here in Flint than we have public schools. And our Thank schools- Thank you for bringing this up. Closing, I love this. Um, yeah, our, our schools are closing at a rapid pace. We have- like I, I'm a I'm a uh, beneficiary uh, beneficiary of the Flint Community Schools. I graduated. I went through from kindergarten through twelfth uh, grade with the Flint Community Same. Schools, and now to see that we only have one high school, we have maybe six or seven elementary schools um, in the city of Flint. We have uh, charter schools are popping up left and right, and then now. 
with the emergence of uh, online education, you know, that's taken opportunities, that's taken away from our enrollment for the Flint schools. Uh, we have, um, and, but we've got so many positive people that work with the Flint schools, but it's like you have, everything is, is charter now. Everything here is charter education. And, um, you know, and most, uh, a lot of the charter schools are funded by big business and therefore, you know, for-profit uh, organizations, you know, you mm -hmm. get uh, that benefit. You have uh, people that go to school to be teachers. You know, they do their, um, I think it's five or, you know, five or six years that they have to do to get their loans uh, taken care of. And then they go, they go. Um, I was uh, one of our suburban school districts. Uh, mm -hmm. I call it uh, the high school. I call it the new Northern you know what I mean? Because all of the kids <laughs> that go to that school would normally be going to Northern high school. And so, um, you know, but it's like through charter education, uh, charter schools. And then, you know, we've had our, you know, some struggles with uh, mismanagement of funds and everything like that. But is the emergence of these charter schools in the city of Flint has just um, led to the decline Um in public education. Yeah, it's um and that's a difficult thing to sort of sit with, particularly when you know about the effects of the crisis in that it's going to put more pressure on schools when they were already under uh, mm -hmm. you know a lot of pressure. I remember advocating um for folks in Flint, but uh that particular example or experience isn't as closely paired to what you're talking about as my experience when I, when I was in the space of trying to get my daughter enrolled in one of the charter schools in Flint. The second year of my postdoc at um, Ann Arbor at the National Poverty Center, I brought my family. And that year I wanted to uh, live in Flint, just like I had lived in Flint the, the previous year. And I wanted my kids to go to school in Flint. What did I find out? Well, the best mm -hmm. available option was the charter school, right? But because yeah. my daughter uh, has special needs, I also needed an accountable special education unit, which I did Absolutely. not find. Absolutely. That was very disturbing, That's which landed me in Pickney, Michigan, mm -hmm. right? And wow. we don't we don't want to talk wow. about the history of that area as of right now. We don't really need to go there. However, right. comma, right. I was just really in a space where I didn't feel comfortable because I had I just had problems even getting the special education uh, coordinator on the line. Right. And so it mm -hmm. made mm -hmm. it made me feel as though this would be the the worst move ever, because if this person won't even mm -hmm. say hello they will have a very tough time right. articulating what the services, um, modifications, and all of that other stuff should be. Right. right? And so when you right. when you tell me that about charter schools and, and the trend that, that folks are, are uh, facing in Flint, I'm, I'm concerned, particularly when we think about what happened with this crisis. So I'm going to take you to when I... Um, noticed uh, things were going on with the water. My cousin called me and he okay. said, hey, Katnell, uh, 
the water's bad. And, you know, I hopped online and for sure the water was bad. Folks were complaining about it and, and, and all of that good stuff. And so I was in a space where I listened to the news I in Flint because what I noticed was that nobody was re- reporting on what was happening in Flint. And so I found my way, right. you know, or found a way to listen to the news, right? We do what we do. And um, in addition yes, to that, I got online and tried to get in touch with folks and things of that nature. So I fly out to Flint. May of 2015 or so, because I set up some interviews to talk to people about the water. All that said, in my mind, I'm still going home, which means I'm going to uh, Halo Burger. I'm hitting the Coney Island spots. Okay. I'm living my best life yeah, trying to find yeah. my the best food because I'm home. Right. Um, right, right. And it right. hit me all of a sudden that I got to change my perspective uh, because there are problems with the water and everybody's not on board with regard to whether or not these problems actually exist. In addition to that, I'm at my cousin's house. He's allowing me to sleep on on a bed while I'm interviewing folks. And what happens? Well, or he has a concern with his water. So essentially um, the coffee is made with bottled water. And then it's it's time for me to get get ready to go, and I'm getting washed up. And he's like, "Oh, don't use the water. Here's a here's a bottle of water to brush your teeth." Mm-hmm. Every single thing that I did was shaped by, uh, or had to be reshaped by the fact that I couldn't use the water. Um, and so um, at that point, we weren't even talking about. We weren't even talking about the the body and 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 taking showers and things of that nature. It was just really about cooking, cleaning, things of that nature. Um, be careful. I'm wondering where did when did things sort of become clear for you that the water was bad? How did how did you know, and how did that that situation impact you? Um, well. Um... I started noticing I had uh, family members that lived on the north end of Flint and um, out mm-hmm. near like the Bluebell Beach area. OK, off of Carpenter Road there, um, like it was you could see a stream like where water was coming and it was staining the concrete in the area. Right. Ooh. Like you had a uh, it was like literally staining the concrete, it was like a, it, it was real rusty looking, like it was turning the sidewalks red. And um, I'm like, something, wow. you know, something's not right about that. And then, um, you know, you started seeing, I want to say there was uh, these um, boil water warnings that they were sending out, you know, broadcasting over the news and the radio and stuff like that. And I'm like, Something ain't right, you know, something ain't right. And, um, you know, to have, you know, and then it started hitting the fan. And it was really only local news. It was making only local news. Um, you know, we had people actually living in the city that were living as if they were in a third world country, right? Um, a city mm-hmm. that has been um, one of the pioneer pioneer cities for the in the automotive industry, Right that has taken care of America, right? And we were being treated as if we were 
um, in a third world country, in the most powerful country in the world. Right. And so, um, you know, that, you know, it was rough. It was hard. Um, you know, everything was done with bottled water. I mean, you know, like you said, brushing your teeth, using bottled water to brush your teeth, uh, cooking, taking baths. I mean, you name it, like people, you know, get their pets bottled water. You know what I'm saying? And to know that, uh, you know, here we are in the Midwest, one of the pioneer cities in the automotive industry, and for us to get treated that way. And then for people to act like it's not an issue, right? It's not an issue. Like it didn't right. happen. You know, I'm I'm still, you know, in the mindset of, uh, you know, someone needs to pay. And I'm not talking about uh, we, we need ju- we still need justice. You know, we still need justice. And I'm not talking about, you know, dollars and cents justice, um, although we definitely deserve and um, warrant that. But those that are that were responsible, that tried to hide it, they need to pay. And there needs to be uh, not just criminal charges brought up on these people. But they need to be convicted. They need to serve um, serve some time. You know, they they've um, especially with um, you know the way that um, you know social injustice in the United States. You know, as it affects African Americans um, or people of color in particular, these people that that are in power that were in power have affected a whole community way more than some first time offenders who have been sentenced way too harsh. And so there definitely needs to be some some sort of um, uh, justice in this. Um, and, I, you know, uh, Governor Snyder, Rick Snyder, he's not off the hook in, in my book. He's still to blame the city manager, uh, emergency manager that they brought in. You know, he's on the list. You know, the, the Flint, you know, it was crazy because they had these. Uh, I remember they had a, uh, I think it was like a press conference or something where they were in one of the uh, water treatment plants and they all had these cups of water and it's like, ooh, the water's fine. It's like, come on, man, don't insult. You guys are really trying to insult the intelligence of a whole community, right? And so, um, you know, it's directly affected where I, you know, my job, because um, we we would get young people from all over the Midwest. We're talking Minnesota, Ohio, Illinois, Wisconsin, you know, plus young people from the state of Michigan. And uh, most of our students, uh, a lot of our a vast majority of our students come from like the Detroit area. Right. And families weren't mm-hmm. willing to um, enroll their their young people in our program due to the water crisis. Right. Which you can't blame. Them. Wow. You know, I would I would definitely not send my children anywhere knowing that it's a hazard, you know, a health hazard with the water. Something is, you know, things that we take for granted that we're going to have clean water, right? You know, there are so many families that have been affected by it with, um, you know, deaths, young people that are going to have, that are going to live their lives, that are going to live their lives with developmental um, issues. And so it's, um, they're definitely like the city, the people in the city of Flint definitely deserve justice for this. Yeah. I'm, I struggle with the realities of today where we're six, seven years removed from the situation and folks hadn't necessarily caught the charges 
and the jail time that they act, that they deserve. As a child of the crack era, where everybody was going to jail and catching real time, this is a hard pill to swallow. Uh, the delay in justice, the, the fact that it seemed as though the state was more eager to avoid blame than to actually hold people accountable for what was done to the city of Flint. Uh, this is all, this is all a lot. It's so much, there's so much that's happened to the city. When you actually sit and try to download it all and speak on it all, you might lose someone's attention because it's, it's that deep. The mess was that deep. And so I wonder, you know, how people process this at the end of the day, when you realize, okay, not only am I consuming water that that's not right, that's staining the ground, I'm paying a grip for this water that I can't even consume. And then everybody and their mama, they want to lie about what's happened. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it was, um, like, you know, for, like you said, for these, uh, the people to sweep it under the rug as if it wasn't happening. Um, and to, you know, for the families that have, um, you know, had lived through it for the families that have lost loved ones, for the families that have been affected, you know, their, their youth, their children being affected with, um, you know, developmental delays. It's, uh, the accountability. You can't justify, um, not convicting, right? You can't justify not convicting those decision makers, um, that played a major role in, infecting an entire city you know you had like and it was crazy how you know we had you know we have celebrities that are sending water you know they had to, i mean like they had to send us water it was uh to see uh semi trucks bagging up to the to the docks at the schools loading up you know unloading pallet and when i, I mean like um walmart storage area pallet like so, <laughs> Like that much water to the schools, just so the students and the staff and that's in the particular in those schools could have clean water. Like it was amazing, mm-hmm. you know. It's just and it and it was almost like the power. Well, it, I'm not even going to say it was almost like. I personally feel that the powers that be really didn't care. You know, our families here, you know, have suffered, and you know there needs to be some accountability. You know, this whole project of holding folks accountable. It requires that we're clear about what happened, you know, and how Flint got played, right? What's interesting to me is that I know when y'all were told that there's boil water advisories or when you were told that there were issues with the water, um, essentially these notices were sent to people randomly, and, you know, there were spotty notices here and there. People were kind of told what was going on, but then everybody wasn't told. So it wasn't clear whether or not they should take this, the notice seriously. And so the whole question of how y'all got played, right. um, I would, I would think that it was, it's really hard to pinpoint it all because it's been a moving ball, right? And folks have been trying to duck and, and dodge and, and throw distraction in the mix. But I'm wondering from a resident's perspective, how y'all got played? Because it's if you want to hold folks accountable, it's 
it's also instructive to hear your theory of how things happen. Well, first, first, I want to, you know, send a big thank you to um, Virginia Tech, their uh, civil engineering team that did the research so that we did know what was going on. You know, those um, those group of people, um, the students and the staff there at the Virginia Tech, who's a Atlantic Coast Conference uh, school like yours, <laughs> those, um, you know, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that somebody said, you know, these people in Flint need help. We got played specifically with the little amount of information that they would give us, right? They're piecing us out information and then saying, you know, it's not that bad or this is not what it is or this is just a theory or played us like it was a hypothetical situation, right? We got played us like it was a, um, you know, science fiction movie, right? Without taking it seriously that the lives of a whole city, the whole community was affected by it. To know that I cannot drink my water that's coming out of my faucet, that I'm paying for. Like they charge people, you know, water bills. They were charging people water bills for water that they couldn't even use. Right. That's the that's the biggest, you know, mockery, yeah. um, you know, of community that you can imagine, you know, to force people to pay for water that they can't even use. And then to have a registry, you know, to go through the registry, you know, anybody that they that they should have took um, the city of Flint and the powers that be, the state of Michigan, should have taken the responsibility of saying, you know what? OK, these people have these addresses. We're going to take care of them. We're going to make it right to have to leave the work on the people who were wrong. I just think that's, you know, for me, that's we got played that way. You know what I mean? You know, people have to go get exams. And you got to go back. And if you moved out of the area, you got to go back and say, well, you know, I lived over here or I worked in the city of Flint. You know, it's just, you know, we they played us. They played us because they didn't care. You know, at the end of the day, they didn't care. And everybody wanted to point the finger at the other person without anybody just saying, you know what? We messed up. You know, we messed up and we need to make it right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really a sinister move, kind of real gangster, where you can go in, mess up somebody's oh, yeah. water, know full well who was living where because they paid your bills. <laughs> right. Um, and mm-hmm. then you turn around and say, you know what? I'm sorry I messed up your water, but I'm going to need you to prove that you were actually impacted by this water I was selling you that right. was tainted with lead and other stuff. I know that it's going to cost you to prove it. And mm-hmm. I'm going to prefer or request that you right. go get these tests that, um, you know, that aren't available right. to prove, you know, your injuries. It's, it's really, it's a setup. It is. You know, that's it what it feels like. It, if it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't just feel like a setup. It is a setup. Absolutely. I'm wondering though, what would have been the preferred path forward in, in terms of, you know, some sort of settlement for the for Flint residents, because, yeah, clearly what they what's in front of you is problematic. It's something. Um, right. Um, but it's it's problematic. Uh, and so some folks are saying, hey, let's not worry about making us all whole because you're going to try to play us either way with that. Let's worry about making sure our water is straight. And all of that good stuff. So tell me about that effort. 
tell me about the uh, lead pipe replacement effort. Um, I understand that it's not complete. What, what's your perspective on things? Um, I don't believe that the uh, that the project is complete. Yes, I don't. I don't believe that the project is complete. Um, I just, you know, it's very difficult for me to trust. It's very difficult for me to trust now, knowing that you know we had lead infested water and they told us that it wasn't right. And so, I'm not a civil engineer, and so I I just don't trust them. I I continue when I go to work. I'm drinking bottled water. I drink bottled water at home. You know, I try to, you know, it was, it's just crazy going to, you know, just thinking back, going to uh, McDonald's and them giving me a can of Coca-Cola, <laughs> right? No high C orange. Okay. You know, you got to get a can of Coca-Cola. Um, I just don't trust them. I don't trust that the system, you know, at this point, I just believe they'll, they'll tell us anything and they've allowed it to die down. When we were, you know, world news, slowly but surely, those, uh, you know, media outlets, you know, they forgot about us. And people, you know, yeah. across the world think that it's fine in Flint now. And it's not. It's not. Um, but, yeah, I just don't trust them. Yeah. And the other thing that's problematic is that when you don't hold town meetings about this particular issue, providing very clear updates, um, and you post right. and you do stuff like just post clips, you're not really informing anybody of anything or making efforts to build the trust that's been broken. Right. I just yesterday I watched a clip um, uploaded by the city of Flint that uh, featured its mayor, featured the uh, talk by the EPA and DEQ, I believe, Absolutely. Eagle was on the line as well. And everyone was providing an update from their perspective on the crisis or the recovery from the crisis. And I learned that they expect to complete uh, the, the repairs by the end of this year. Mind you, the first, you know, I, I believe that they were supposed to be finished a year ago, completely finished, or at least with the selected parcels that they were going to take care of. And so it's, I find it hard to believe that anyone's trying to ensure that you guys feel comfortable and safe in the space when you're not really being told what's happening in the information, as you mentioned, um, it seems like it's still given out in a piecemeal mm -hmm. fashion. Uh, and so it's, it is hard for me to believe that it's, it's taken so long to fix the parcels that they wanted to fix. And, and so it's, that's, that's a difficult thing to believe. Uh, it's it's almost as though this this process has been unnecessarily right. slow. What are Flint residents, or at least from your perspective, what else is is needed to you know fix what they broke with regard to the the water um, infrastructure? I think um, oversight, um, you know, from the uh, federal government, there needs to be some oversight. Um, someone, you know, to be here saying. Uh, and making sure that the job is done, right? We need um, to make sure that the um, funding goes to the proper, through the proper channels and programming, 
goes through the proper channels. We need uh, uh, funding for um, education initiatives. We need funding for vocational initiatives. We need to make sure that uh, citizens in the city of Flint are the ones that are uh, employed to make sure that these tasks um, are completed. We need to make sure that um, that it doesn't happen again. You know, at the end of the day, we need to make sure that it doesn't happen again. And so, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be the uh, negative Nate, but I just don't trust them. You know, I don't trust that the uh, powers that be are going to um, make the right decisions, um, doing things the right way with the uh, health and safety of the citizens in Flint and mine. I understand that perspective, right? Moving forward, given that perspective, you know, the fact that folks are, are really struggling with even trust in the water, what's next for people, and, and in particular young folks in Flint? From what I understand, uh, some of the concerns that were at the top of the list prior to the crisis are now back at the top of the list, concerns with public safety, concerns with unemployment, underemployment in the area, and just concerns, people having some concerns about how are we going to get kids where they need to go. That specific concern has increased in significance uh, after the crisis. But again, as I mentioned, a lot of the concerns that existed prior to the crisis are back in vogue. For instance, I, I go on the internet and I'm, and people are complaining about Club Sunoco. Folks are, you know, really, really concerned about the conditions of schools, the conditions of neighborhoods, the, uh, what's happening with Genesee County Land Bank and their capacity to just get land from that land bank, which should be somewhat of an easy process, but it hasn't been for most people. So what's next? for folks in Flint, particularly these young folks who are trying to navigate, who must navigate the area, who must push through. Because again, Flint is not coming from Flint, living in Flint, being connected to Flint doesn't mean that your journey is going to end, you know, with an unhappy, you know, sad conclusion. So um, what if what are folks looking at at this point to sort of really push through the, the mess? Um, education. Um, and I'm not and when I'm uh, speak of education, I'm not referring to formal education. I'm talking about educating themselves on how to navigate through this. We need programming. We need uh, we need funding um, and programming for young people, things to do there. Hey, there is a club Sunoco because there is nothing to do. Right. And I ride by that gas station all the time. And they got, they have some of the best chickens in the city of Flint. But, <laughs> um, Hilarious. It's, it's crazy that it's crazy. Um, you know, public safety is an issue. Um, we have, uh, limited, uh, staffing for our, the Flint Police Department. You know, we have the state police who are doing most of the patrols in the city of Flint now, Michigan State Police. And like our, mm. our, our, uh, city police officers have been outsourced. And that's, that's part of the, you know, the, the problem, you know, privatization. Um, even though the state police are, you know, state employees, um, government employees, but privatization of services, you know, have been an issue 
um, here. You're looking at the schools that have been not well kept due to outsourcing, right? And you get these companies that come in that are not from the area and they get these bids and they don't have a stake in the community. Um, I was an employee at the Flint schools and my job was uh, privatized. And, um, you know, and it, the thing about it, it didn't save the school district any money by privatizing my job. It, saved, it took the state off the hook for not having to pay my retirement, but it didn't save the school district um, any money. And as a matter of fact, their deficit was deeper after they privatized all of the um, non-educational services. And so we definitely need funding. We need programming, engaging programming that are going to uh, give the young people something to do that that's going to bring a pride back to the city. We need opportunity. Right. So we have uh, recently we had uh, Lear Corporation to build and open up a factory here, you know, and those are uh, initiatives that are that will move us, help us move in the right direction. We have the uh, Flint Promise program that that are uh, where our students that graduate from high schools here that are, that will get their education paid for. Those are um, initiatives that will help move us in the right direction. Um, and we need more of that. You know, we need more of that. We need for the uh, Kettering University to come past Chevrolet Avenue, you know, come, come go a little further north and create some uh, opportunities for uh, our young people. You know, with them being an engineering school, they should be in the forefront of working with our young people. And they may have some programs that I'm just not aware of, yes. but I should be aware of those programs. You know, if they do have them, I should be aware of them. You know, they're in Flint is going to the college townish, you know, Ann Arborish sort of thing um, right now. And, um, you know, it's kind of, is is I struggle with it because it, I feel like we're kind of losing our grit. You know what I'm saying? Our grit and our grind. With us being a such a blue collar town and community, we've we've sort of lost our way with that. And, you know, of course, with um, technology and everything. But I believe that there needs to be some programming that are going to give these young people, uh, the kids, you know, the baby that were affected by the um the lead contamination to give them opportunities where they will have legitimate, sustainable careers. Right. We're yeah. we're going to need, you know, and I, and I do want to say, you know, to to everybody that helped out, you know, whether it was uh, calling and checking on your people here in Flint, um, sending water, coming to visit, whatever the case may be, everybody that that supported the citizens here in the city of Flint, I want to say thank you uh, personally. You know, I think of um, guys like uh, Rashid Wallace, who would not let the country forget that Flint has a water issue. You know, basketball player Stephen Jackson did not let the city, you know, would not let the country forget that the water is still bad in the city of Flint. You know, yeah. and those who, who um, you know, use their social media as a platform to let to continue to let people know that Flint still doesn't have clean water. And so I think that, you know, moving forward, we're going to still need people to, to keep the spotlight on the city of Flint until we get it rectified, right? Until we get everything rectified, until the citizens in the city of Flint are made whole, until we have more opportunities 
to increase our tax base so that uh, our schools can get back to where they used to be, right? Like I said before, Flint Community Schools was the um, the example of community education. And now we're the only That's district, right. we're the only district in the county who doesn't have it, right? And that's sad. Like we had people coming from all over the world to study what it was that the Flint Community Schools were doing with their uh, community education initiative. And now we're the only, you know, every other district in the county, in Genesee County, has community education programs, um, except for us. Our schools, like literally, they're closing at six, seven o'clock after the after school program and nothing's going on, you know. And then you look at a lot of the crime and and that's a lot of that is due to the lack of funding. But you look at a lot of the crime that is going on, youth crime, youth offenders. These are kids um, and young people that would normally be at the school participating in teen clubs participating in youth uh, groups, uh, participating in community or uh, community education initiatives. But these uh, these offenders, you know, the idle mind is the devil's playground. And for those that they're getting that's out of right. school, two, they're getting out of school at two, three o'clock. And that's it. That's it. It's like you are your own. And for those, um, you know, you have families that have to uh, work two to three jobs to make ends meet where when we were growing up, if our parents were at work, mm-hmm. we had that community school direct at the school to nine, 10 o'clock at night, making sure that it was a safe haven for us. Right. And so uh, we definitely, uh, you know, we have to be vigorous in uh, our attempt to get back. I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, there was a time mm-hmm. where it just seemed like we were covered and it wasn't just the kids that were covered. It was Adults who were transitioning uh, um, um, in their employment who were also right. covered. You know, you had the skills center. You had um, opportunities after school for adults to get vocational right. training. And those opportunities aren't there as they should be, particularly for a city like Flint that's been abandoned by mm-hmm. the business community. And so there are, you know, there's reasons to invest in, in Flint and, and um, provide capacity building opportunities that used right. to be in the community. But for some reason or other, they're not present. And so when we consider the fact that Flint is on right. the mend, some things are happening, things are headed in the right direction to some degree, right? I'm I'm wondering, you know, when you call up the when you count up the costs of everything, what do you consider to be a blessing? Because when things bad things happen, you know, we often, you know, look at the the fruit of that bad stuff. But at the same time, there's also a silver lining. Um there there are also methods, practices things that come out of bad situations that we consider blessings. So I'm wondering what you consider a blessing, particularly when it comes to the youth of Flint. And then what are the consistent challenges? You mentioned some, but I'm I'm wondering, you know, what's the flip side of the blessings that you see for Flint's kids? Well, the one thing um, about, about Flint, we are a resilient people, right? Um, General Motors left. We still fought, you know, to try mm-hmm. to maneuver and to stay afloat. We had crack epidemic, you know, drugs and violence, which went hand to hand with the um, General Motors leaving. And we're still fighting through that. You know what I mean? We don't give up. You know, we don't give up. 
You know, I look at uh, people that my mother and my father, you know, worked with in the community that have uh, programs and that are still there. They're still, you know, attending school board meetings in a little in a small room. They're they're, um, attending those city council meetings that only have 10 or 15 people there. We need the one thing, you know, somewhere along the line, uh, the ball kind of got dropped. Right. Because our parents, our generate our parents, you know, they were, you know, frontline soldiers. Like I know for certain if uh, my mom, you know, and my father were living right now, you know, my mom would be 80 years old and she would be right there in front of the city hall, um, in front of the uh, state capitol building with the picket sign. You know what I mean? My dad, he would be right there, you know, with the picket sign organizing organizing people to take back or to take what it is mm-hmm. that they want, what it is that we deserve. Um, my mom always told, she used to always say one thing, you're only going to get what you organize to take. So we need organization. We need people to be on the same page. We need people to uh, drop their egos. We need people that don't want credit. We need those people to come to the forefront. I'm not that person. I'm a behind the scenes. Uh, I just think I can do more behind the scenes. Um, I'm not one of those people who wants to be in the uh, forefront, who wants to get the credit, who wants to be the face of the movement. But um, there are people here that that are doing it. We have um, some young people that are, you know, becoming pioneers in their own right. Um, You know, when I look at uh, guys like Isaiah Oliver, who's uh, from the city of Flint, and he's just climbing up the, the ladder and here, He's doing it here, you know, um, and it's and, and I know it's going it's a bunch of names of people and I'm you know, I'm seeing their faces, but I don't really do interviews. And so I'm, you know, having brain uh, freezes, but um, some young people, um, young, young people that are just slightly younger than us, but they're taking the baton. You know, they've they've been working hard and and putting themselves in position to help lead us back to where we used to be, help lead us back to to see the success that the rebuilding cities like uh, Flint, I mean, not Flint, but uh, Detroit, how they've rebuilt. We have uh, young people uh, that are working towards helping us get back that in that model, um, how Grand Rapids made its way back in that model. We have people that are uh, moving us in that right direction. And so, you know, we just need, uh, and we need the young people to uh, kind of, you know, I don't want to seem like I'm attacking their turn up, but, you know, we got to chill on the turn up and uh, focus on the things that really matter. Focus on the future. You know what I mean? Uh, we know young people, uh, they will turn up, but we got to make that the turn up. We have to make uh, rebuilding the city of Flint the turn up. We have to make holding those uh, politicians. I love that. Um, and dignitaries that led us to this point. We need to make holding them accountable to turn up, you know, and, and get lit with that. So, you know, we've uh, we've got some work to do and we have some people that are in position to help us get get back to where we need to be. But we just need to they need help. Right. Um, and it's not it's not going to be a one person. It's not a one person job. This is going to take everyone in the city of Flint, um, everyone in the county of Genesee, everyone in the state of Michigan, everyone in the United States to help us get back to where, where it is that we need to be. 
I I think your your perspective is is dead on, and I really appreciate what you know you have to or what you had to share about um, what's going on in Flint. You know, especially the parts where you talk about what people are doing to move forward, how people are are actively engaged in making the city a better place, but then also acknowledging the fact that there are distractions. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you, when you're young, you yeah. you want to turn up. Um, and we, at this stage, particularly when, you know, um, places are as, uh, impacted by structural mm-hmm. racism, poverty and all this other stuff, we, we kind of have to have a, a different mindset, even though Absolutely. we're young and we want to do what we want to do. Um, I, I think that those are all things that, you know, that's real, that's real, real talk. I'm wondering, last question, did I miss anything about the the grind and the hustle and the heart of Flint? I want to make sure that, you know, we didn't leave Um, anything on the table. Well, uh, for the listeners, um, uh, Ketronel is a a, a product of the grind, of the hustle, of the grit, the blue collar nature in the city of Flint. You know, and everybody uh, goes through their lives and finds their way one way or another. Those of us that are blessed enough to do it, um, you've been a true example of the city of Flint, that uh, grit, that resiliency that we're, it seems like we're kind of born with, right? We take it for granted. And, but it seems like it was something, it was literally, you know, no pun intended, something in the water. But, um, you know, we definitely, we definitely have to uh, organize. We have to um, people, you know, there are some people that are, you know, in other areas that are watching what's going on. And so uh, we need those uh, outlets for support. We need people to continue to um, ask questions, to bring it back to the spotlight, to make sure that the task at hand is completed, to make sure that the pipes are uh, replaced, to make sure that we have clean drinking water, to make sure that we have opportunity, to make sure that we have our young people that are that are going to be that are our future. We have to make sure that they're in position and uh, they have opportunities to put themselves in position uh, to lead us into the next wave and to what's next for the city of Flint. Um, I'm thankful that you have created this platform for not only myself, but other people, other uh, figures in the city, in the Flint community to be able to express themselves, to still get the information out about Flint. I'm humbled uh, to have this opportunity to be on your podcast. And again, like what we do when we work with young people, we don't do it. It's it's often a thankless job. um, And but we don't do it for the thanks. You know, we we do it because um, we truly we truly want to help our young people and we truly want to see them succeed um, and to know that success is out there for them, sort of motivate them and give them that little push to go towards it. So um, I just want to say thank you for having me. And anytime uh, if you want, you know, anytime you want me back, you know, with the next book. And the next opportunity, uh, whatever it is, you know, I'm more than willing to help. I appreciate it. And, you know, um, I want to to say that you're very welcome. Um, but I also feel honored. Um, and as I mentioned, incredibly blessed uh, by your willingness to, to talk to me and, and, and to share your story. Thanks again for for joining me on this podcast. 
To learn more about the crisis, be sure to pick up your copy of Tank to Tap, Flint's Journey from Crisis to Recovery on Amazon or your favorite digital bookshelf. Thanks for tuning in to the Tainted Tap podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Till next time, pivot forward.